0: Amen. You can be seated. Well, we are finishing up our first book of the Bible as a new church. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Philippians, if if you're just joining us, we've been, the last 11 weeks, we've been grinding away through the book of Philippians verse by verse. And what we've seen over and over is this, that there's this theme of joy. And it's not just a joy when everything goes right. It's a joy that goes beyond any circumstance, any difficulty, any doubt that you may face in your life. And so we've seen that over and over. Paul keeps coming back to that. And the hope is, as we conclude this book, is that you're able to look back on your life the last 11 weeks and see this begin to take shape in your life, that it would sift through you into your marriage, that you might love your spouse differently because you know you have a joy beyond any conflict you guys have. This this would take shape in your job, so that even when you're having bad days at work, even if you lost your job, that you would still see there's a joy in Jesus that sustains you. That it would take place in your class, in your college, as you have this overwhelming class load, that you would know how to have joy in Jesus that goes way beyond any class that you may have. So the hope is, as we conclude this book, it's not just a fun, cute series to finish, right? Right? We want to see this take root, take shape in our lives, and I want to see that in you guys this morning as we continue and as we conclude this book, talking about what it means to have joy beyond need. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. So if you have a Bible, grab it and head to Philippians chapter 4. If you don't have one, there should be one on the floor right in front of you. Grab that, turn to Philippians 4. As you do that, let me pray for us. Father in heaven, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for these men and women, I thank you that we have gotten to go through a a book of the Bible, that God, you have spoken through it to us, and I pray that you would do that this morning. I pray that we would be changed through your word, by your spirit, that God, as we walk in here with all kinds of needs, relational, emotional, financial, spiritual, God, that you meet all those needs in your person and work. We pray that we would experience that this morning as we look at your word. Illuminate our our eyes and our minds and our hearts to see it and be changed by it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, yesterday I was looking through some old pictures. And some of you know this. My wife loves pictures. It's rooted in her family. They love pictures. Our whole lives are chronicled in pictures. And so yesterday I'm looking through some of the older pictures, and I thought about the different seasons in our life and the different needs that we had along the way. So I thought about first when we were in seminary, and I remember how poor we were. And I remember thinking, like, how are we going to get through each month? And you could see that in the pictures, right? There's a little stress on my face. Uh, But as I looked through the pictures, I thought today I can look back and, and say, I should have enjoyed that more. It wasn't as bad as I thought. I should have enjoyed it more. God sustained us through that. I should have enjoyed it more. And then I looked at pictures when we had our first child, And we were first-time parents. We had just moved to Austin, Texas to help plant a church. And it was an overwhelming season for us. As as new parents, we were scared about everything. Some of you know this, that are about to be parents. You're just scared about everything. Like, they they scratch their eye, and you're like, I don't know, should we call the doctor? (laughs) You know, and that's how we were as first-time parents. And so it was overwhelming, trying to plant a church, new city, all those things. And you can see it in the pictures. I looked a little stressed, right? And now I look back and think, And how exciting, right? Our first child, I should have enjoyed that more. God God brought us through that. I should have enjoyed that more. And then in the past couple years, we've moved around a couple times, different cities, different communities, different churches. And at the time, there was a lot of stress. There was a lot of need. But now looking back, I think, how cool is it that we've gotten to live in a few different cities? How cool is it that we've experienced different adventures? Most people don't get to do that. Like, we should have enjoyed that more. I should have enjoyed that more. In all these circumstances, as I looked at these pictures and all these seasons of need, I thought, I should have enjoyed that more. But that's in hindsight, right? In the moment, all I saw was the need. And I wasn't able to see beyond the need and experience joy. And I don't think I'm the only one who's ever experienced this. I would imagine in a room this size, there are some of you, even today, who are in need. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe you don't know Jesus, and you're in need, and maybe you don't even realize that need. Maybe you just came in here. Maybe somebody invited you. Maybe you just heard about it, and you stumbled in here. I know there's needs in this room, and oftentimes, we can't see beyond that need, especially in the moment. Maybe in hindsight, maybe years down the road, we can think, oh, I see. I see what God was doing. I see how he provided. I should have had more joy. But right now, when you're in that need, you don't see beyond it. So how do we have a joy that goes beyond need? How are we okay when everything's not okay? What does that look like? Look at Philippians chapter 4. That's what we're going to get into this morning. We're going to start in verse 10. It says this, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of in need, For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So if you look at the text, Paul starts off this passage with a familiar word, rejoiced. We see that word throughout Philippians. And we see in these first couple of verses, he's rejoicing over what? The Philippians concerned for him. So Paul appreciates this. It gives him joy. But he clarifies, look at verse 11, he clarifies that he's actually not in need. Don't you just love Paul? (laughs) Paul's in prison. You think he has some needs? But he says, just so you know, I appreciate it, but I'm okay. Right? What's he saying there? Well, he's saying that his joy doesn't come from his circumstances, from his accumulation. It comes through what? Contentment. He talks about being brought low, abounding, facing plenty, hunger, abundance, and need. And through all of that, he knows the secret. What's the secret? There's a contentment, right? That he doesn't get his joy from getting more things while it's helpful, while he appreciates their concern, that ultimately he gets his joy from Jesus. Do You see that? So Paul is setting the pace that joy doesn't come from these things, Despite their concern for him, he has his joy and contentment. And this is tough for us in a society like we live in, right? Because a lot of us only know abounding. And we may think we have needs, and, and we definitely have some, but in our society, we have a lot of things, right? If people were to bring us things, we could find joy in those things because there's a lot of things out there. Like even in our church, we're a new church, right? But I actually have a personal assistant. I have a personal assistant who alerts me when I have meetings. I have a personal assistant who, when I need to talk to someone, it could be local or global, I can get on the phone with them through video or audio, right? I have a personal assistant who I don't remember birthdays that well. My personal assistant reminds me of birthdays of family and friends. You know the best thing about my personal assistant? It's available 24-7. It's in my pocket. It's my phone, right? We have so much in our society that it's easy for us to find joy in things and not Jesus. It's easy for us to find our joy in accumulation, not contentment, right? And so Paul is going to hammer on that and say, yes, I appreciate your concern, but ultimately that's not where I find my joy. How many of us experience that? How many of us experience that? Just even like if you have kids with cartoons, right? When I was growing up, cartoons were only on Saturday morning. Now, you can binge watch Dora for four hours straight. It's available all the time. And if you have kids, you know this. Because when they want to watch TV, you can't use the excuse of, baby, it's not on right now. Because they know about instant streaming. If they get that, they're like, I think it is. You just have to push the button and scroll. <laughs> we have a, a society of plenty. We have more things than ever in history to see, to do, to be entertained by, and it's all available at the tips of our fingers. Right? Even if you don't have a lot in your life, you see that in our society. You see that we have so much in our society, yet most of us are bored and frustrated. Most of us are discontent. So Paul is saying, I appreciate your concern, but just so you know, my joy isn't found in the things you bring me, the money you provide me, the supplies you provide. It's found in a contentment because I know Jesus. So Paul gets started talking about our joy and contentment. We see this elsewhere in Scripture. 1 Timothy 6 6 says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. How is Paul content? Look at verse 13. He says, through Christ, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, this is a popular verse that is often taken out of context. In fact, I actually Googled this verse and just looked up images, and a couple came up. Um, This is actually Samson, our worship leader. He sent that one in. Uh, But apparently, through Christ, you can get really large biceps. You can get yoked through Christ. Uh, And then the next one, apparently you can fly through Christ. I don't know if you knew that. But you might need goggles and a cape as well. Um, This is a verse we we take out of context, right? A lot of us think, like, man, I can be the CEO. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. A lot of us think, man, I can lift weights, I can achieve in sports because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We have t-shirts, right, that symbolize that. Listen, I wish this was true. I wish it was. I've always wanted to be a quarterback. Like, from my youngest days, I always wanted to be a quarterback. Even today, I sometimes think, could I disguise myself as a high school teenager? (laughs) Even in a 1A school. Like, I don't have high expectations. Right? And I don't know if I've ever thrown the football with you, but I can actually throw it a little bit. I can spin it. But there's a problem, and it's this. 5'9", 160. That's where I run right now. depends on the shoes. There's a problem, right? Five nine one sixty. 160. Listen, I can't do all things, and neither can you. So what is Paul saying? Paul's saying, if you become the quarterback, then Praise Christ. But if you don't, you learn to love the Lord and be content as a non-athlete. You see that? Paul's saying, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So if I do well in business, then praise Christ, because he strengthened me to do that. But if I fail in business, if I lose my job, then I still can love Jesus despite that. Do you see that? Paul's saying, in your life, as you have relational conflict, In your marriage, as you have conflict that you can't see beyond, maybe it's even leading to divorce, separation, maybe you just don't feel like you love each other anymore, if it's gotten that bad, that even in that moment, that you can still be content because of Jesus. All right? So Paul is is leaning on, is pressing into this idea of contentment, and what we're going to see in Scripture, as you look at Scripture, is that it's an inward peaceful disposition rooted in Christ. That Christian contentment is an inward, peaceful disposition rooted in Christ. Some of you are going to push back on this and say, well, it seems like we're faking it till we make it. All right? It seems like we just walk around and say, well, even though things are bad, like, hallelujah, God is good. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Like somebody asks you how you're doing, and you just think, fine, I'm doing great. And you're about to cry. <laughs> That's not Christian contentment. It's a peaceful disposition that's rooted in Christ. It doesn't mean everything is okay. It just means when everything's not, that you have someone to go to who sustains you through it. So as you have a need of approval, as you get hurt when other people don't affirm you, that even in the midst of that need, even when you're in that need, that you have Jesus who knows you, who understands you, and who accepts you fully as you are. That you have ultimate approval in him through the cross. That as you have a need in your relationship, in your marriage, that there's conflict that you can't see beyond. That you have contentment because you are rightly related to the God of the universe through Christ. If you get this, if you get contentment, you have the world in checkmate. Do you see that? That you can do well in your job, you can lose your job. And you can be sustained through that process. And you can have a joy, a deep and abiding joy in Jesus through it. Because he not only knows and understands, he actually has the power to sustain you. And you know him. His spirit resides in you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead resides in you. And so even when you experience relational conflict, you can have joy in Jesus because you learn what it means to be content. In your job, in your class, in your finances, that even when everything's not okay, that you can be okay because of Jesus. That's contentment. It's a peaceful disposition rooted in Christ. It's not just saying I'm fine when everything's not. It's not lying to people. That's not what it is. Some of you may push back and say, well, Tim, I I get that, but um, you just don't understand my situation. You don't understand my need, and you don't understand how I'm wired. Like Some people are just calm. Some people are just stable through conflict, through need, and I'm not. I freak out. There's good news for you. Paul says in this passage that he learned contentment. Does he say, I've got this all figured out? Does he say, I was born like this? No, he says, I've learned what it means to be content. So the good news for you this morning in the midst of your need is that you can learn this, that contentment Uh, The idea of being content doesn't come natural, but you can learn it by the grace of Christ. Paul learned it. You can learn what it means to live a life like this in the midst of your need so that you can have the world in checkmate, so that you can't lose, no matter your situation, that it's found in Jesus, not in the accumulation of things. Do you see that? I think everybody would say we want that. Right? Everybody here this morning, no matter what your need is, you would say, that would be nice. By God's grace, you can learn that. That's how Paul learned it. He has the same Holy Spirit that you do. We need to ask. We need to ask in the midst of our need for perspective that we can't muster. We need to ask for that. We need to say, God, right now, I don't find my joy in you. I don't know what it means to be content. I am weak. That verse, verse 13, that we love to quote and put on shirts and apparently talk about large muscles with, like, that's, that's not what he was going after. He's going after that when you're in the midst of need, that whether you abound or go low, whether you face plenty or hunger, that in that moment you can say, Jesus, I need your strength because I don't have it. I need your strength to see and have perspective on this that I don't have to put on your lens and take off my lens. To put on your lens of the gospel that I'm rightly connected to you. That even through this pain and this need that you know, you understand, and you have the power to actually sustain me through that. This morning, whatever need you're experiencing, that you would ask Jesus for that perspective though, so that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That's, that's what Paul is getting at. But he continues. It's not just about contentment. Look at verse 14. So some background in case you haven't with us, Paul in Acts 16, you can go read about it later if you haven't already. Paul in Acts 16 essentially starts what is now the church at Philippi. So he encounters a few people, we can read about it in Acts 16, we see them meet Jesus, their lives are changed, and then 10 years later approximately, Paul writes this letter back to this church in Philippi. And they are appreciative of what he has done, how he's influenced their lives with the gospel. And so Paul is in prison now, that's where he writes Philippians, but he hasn't always been in prison. Like when Paul left Philippi first, when he saw those people meet Jesus, he started this church, he went on to other cities to do the same thing, to talk to people about Jesus, to start new churches. And so Paul's been doing that, and the Philippians have come alongside him in that. They've encouraged him in that, they sent him money in that, they sent him supplies, they sent him one of their own, they sent him Epaphroditus. He goes to Paul, and earlier we read he almost risked his life to go to Paul to bring him encouragement, supplies, money, and to meet that need. So what we see in this second part of the passage, that in addition to contentment, we have provision. That Jesus knows our needs, and under his sovereign grace and will, he fills our needs. And most of the time, he does that through community. He does that through other people. He does that through the Philippians. Earlier in the book, in chapter 1, he calls them partners in the gospel because they've come alongside him in real, tangible ways that God has used them to make provision for his need. So we have contentment. We have provision. Earlier this week, our kids were going a little crazy before our community group, and I was in the dining room, and they were in the kitchen, and I just hear this, um, let me do it and then my other kid, no, and then the other one's like, let me, no, and I'm like, what are you guys doing, like tug of war, I don't, I don't know what's happening, so I walk in the kitchen, and one's on one side of the fridge, and one's on the other side of the fridge, and one's trying to close the fridge, and the other one's trying to open the fridge, <laughs> huge crisis, huge crisis, huge crisis, It was crazy, right? It was crazy at our house. That, that amongst other things, it was a little bit crazy. And it's right before our community group is about to start. It's like 6.15. Our community group starts at 6.30. And so honestly, at this point, we were thinking about calling it. Uh, Let's just stay at home. Like, sometimes they win. Let's just stay at home, and we'll study the Bible together as a family. Um, But as this craziness is ensuing, um, and as we sort of wrap that specific conflict up, my son, who's two and a half says, but I will go to Miss Betsy's house. <laughs> Miss Betsy hosts our community group. And he says, I will go to Miss Betsy's house. And my wife and I, I, I don't know about her, I had a headache at this point. Um, she was stressed. We were both stressed. And as soon as my son says that, we looked at each other and we smiled. Right? Because we were reminded of God's provision. That even in difficult seasons and difficult days, and even when the fridge needs to stay open or closed, huge crisis, that even in those huge crises, that children are a gift from the Lord, right? And we saw that in a moment, just my son saying something that was really cute. And we both in sync smiled at each other, and we went to our community group. Like we made it, right? Listen, just because you're content doesn't mean you don't need provision. You need to be reminded of your provision. You need to ask for it. We see that in the Old Testament. Nehemiah is building a wall, and the city is about to be under attack. And a lot of people said, let's panic and run. Nehemiah said, no, we're going to stay here, we're going to pray, and we're going to plan for God's provision. You've seen that in your life. When everything's going crazy, and you're reminded of, man, I'm known by the God of the universe. I'm forgiven, I'm accepted, I'm loved. He's made provision for me, I'm going to be okay. And that even in that, you still pray for your marriage to be reconciled. That even in that, you still pray for a new job. That even in that, you still pray that you would get your approval not from other people, but from God. That you can pray and plan for provision. I have two kids, and I want them to ask for me for things. I don't want them to whine about it. But I want them to come to me and ask me for things. So like when it's getting ready for dinner time and they just want to eat all the snacks before dinner, I want to give it to them. And I know it's not good, but I want to give it to them. I want to give them the goldfish. right? I want to give them because I want to be a good dad. right? I want, to, I want them to ask me for things. I want to give them the things that they need. God is a good dad. In the midst of your need, whatever it is, he wants to meet your need. He wants to meet it. Maybe you're here this morning, you're wondering, I don't know if that's true. I mean, I've been struggling in my marriage for years, and God hasn't done anything about it. I've been struggling in my job for months, and it doesn't get any better. Every Monday, it's still the same. I have the same boss. It's not changing. Some of you, in the midst of your finances, you think, "Man, I have this debt, student loans, credit card, mortgage. It's not going down, and we prayed. In that moment, you need to trust that God is a good dad, that he may not have met your need yet, but he wants to do that. And he's working in his sovereign way that you may not understand to do that. All right? You may not be able to see your need being met. Being met. God knows God better than you. He has a better plan for your provision. And you can ask him for that. He's a good dad. So you can be content. You can know that My peace, my joy won't come from an accumulation of things. It only comes through contentment. But in addition to that, you can get on your knees and pray and ask God to move, to change your circumstance, to change your need. Some of you may be thinking, well, you're a pastor. right? You're supposed to say stuff like this. Contentment, provision. But you need to know this hit home for us last year. Um, Last year, we were called the Phoenix to lead a church. We were called the Phoenix to come here and lead a church. And a few months into that process, the church closed and I lost my job. I remember at one point, I was laying on our living room floor, not my best moment. And uh, I was talking to my wife and I was kind of freaking out. I was freaking out about financial need, about relational need, about emotional need, honestly, spiritual need. I didn't trust that God was good at that point. I didn't know like, God, why would you bring us here for this? This doesn't make sense to me right now. And I was talking to my wife, and I said, I don't, I don't know what to do. I know I'm supposed to because I'm the leader, but today I don't know what to do. And she just said, very simply to me, she said, if you didn't think about stability, <laughs> if you didn't think about finances, if you didn't think about all that kind of stuff, what would you do? And I, I thought about it for a second, and I said, I would do what we came here to do. And she looked at me, and she said, well, let's do that. (laughs) She's a great wife. And honestly, I didn't know how the finances were going to be figured out. I didn't know how the relationships were going to be figured out. I didn't know how emotionally, like I didn't know how this was going to affect us, our kids, and all those things. Like, I didn't know all those things, but in that moment, I could be content because I trusted, God, you're good. You have a plan. It's better than mine. And in this moment, I'm going to trust you But you know what? We didn't stop there. (laughs) We didn't just say, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Like when people asked us, what are you going to do? God is good, man. Just trust him. I didn't just say that. I definitely said that partially, but we went on to pray and plan for provision. We began to ask you, will you partner with us to do this? I told you at that time, my wife is awesome, but if she was the only member of Phoenix Bible Church, I don't know how long we could last. We needed people to partner with us. We had a need, and we needed provision for that. We needed people to fill that need. So we came to you and said, this is crazy. We have four weeks to start a church. I don't know anybody who's ever done that. And I don't know what this is going to look like. At one point, I didn't know the name. And I just said, if you want to sign up for that, raise your hand. And a lot of you were like, all right, (laughs) I guess. And you did, and you partnered with us, and God made provision through you. And God made provision through other people in our lives. There were pastors I didn't know before coming here who came alongside us, who sent us Facebook messages, and just said, hey, man, you don't know us, but we're here for you. We're praying for you. What can we do? And so the projector that you see that's shining and illuminating this screen, I came from another church. They, they let us borrow for free. They actually gave us two, which I don't know why. We're not multi site they gave us two projectors and just said, listen, do, what, do with them what you need. They just recently sold us this one and another one for like 500 bucks. That projector, I think, is like 5,000. So churches, other people, pastors made provision. God made provision through them to us. You guys were a part of that. When we set out to start this church, a lot of people said, like, you don't want to do that for multiple reasons. But you don't want to do that because part of the reason why this church closed down was because of finances. Like, some of you here know that, that we're around. And people said, it's a young demographic. Like, you don't want to do this. It's not sustainable financially. But you guys trusted God, sacrificed, and gave to this church so that right now, we're sustainable financially. Amen? Like, This church is here. Like you are here this morning. We're putting on church. We're doing things in the community. We don't have an abundance. Like we still need more of that. But you guys have given sacrificially. Other churches and pastors came alongside us. God used them to make provision in our lives. They gave us funds. Churches I've never even heard of before. A church in Charlottesville, Virginia gives us 200 bucks a month. It's 200 bucks a month, but it's a church in Charlottesville, Virginia. God has made provision. Through our contentment, he still made provision. In our church, he's done that. He wants to do that in your life. You need to pray. You need to plan for that. You need to ask God for that from your inner peaceful disposition that says, even if I don't get that, I'm going to be okay because Jesus is enough. We see in this passage Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was an extension of the Philippian church. He risked his life, he went to Paul physically to be with Paul, to bring him money, to bring him supplies, and just to be an encouragement to him. So much so that Paul gives a passage dedicated to Epaphroditus just a few verses earlier. He talks about this guy, Epaphroditus, who Jesus has used to bless him. Some of you need to think about, who can I be Epaphroditus to? In the midst of your need, a lot of us think Who can be that for me? Who can be my Epaphroditus? And that's a fair question. But what if this morning you thought beyond your need, and you thought, who can I be Epaphroditus to? Like, Who can I extend encouragement to? Who can I write a note to? We have a lot of people having babies. Bring them a meal. They don't even have time to brush their teeth, much less cook. Bring them a meal. You can pick up Chick-fil-A. Everybody likes that. Who can you be Epaphroditus to in the midst of your need and someone else's need? Who can you go and just sit with? Right, man, Epaphroditus, I can only imagine that he sat with Paul and just asked him, like, how are you holding up, brother? How's that going? On, on tough days, what gets you through that? Just tell me about that. Let me encourage you with that. Just his presence alone encouraged Paul. Who can you be that to? your spouse your kids, other people in this church, other people in the community. Man, when I think about starting this church and what it would be like five years from now, I think about those type of things. Like we have this third part of our, our culture that we want to see called love moves, that we don't want to just talk about or sing about love. We want to see a love that moves in word and deed, right? That people, when they think about Phoenix Bible, they think, man, they love each other. They make provision for one another through their need, and they don't just do that for themselves. They do that in the city. That if this church, if Phoenix Bible were to go away tomorrow, that people would notice. Because they would say, well, there's a missing presence. There was a love that was moving there in and through those people that's gone. And we miss that provision that God provided through Phoenix Bible. That's my prayer for this church. That's my prayer for you. That starts with you today. That starts with the small step of grabbing somebody who you know is in need and saying, let me pray with you. Can we bring a meal? Can I just write you a note of encouragement? Can I just come over and hang out with you, pick you up, and we'll go to a restaurant? I just want to be with you. I want to make provision in your life because of how God's made provision in my life. That's my hope for our church. How do you have joy beyond need? You have a contentment, and you have a provision that's rooted in Christ, that you know with your head, you rest with your heart, in the truth of Jesus Christ. The truth we just read about in Philippians. That in chapter 1, that he who began a good work will complete it. That in chapter 2, Jesus humbled himself to the point of death for your sake. That in chapter 3, that everything is a loss compared to knowing Jesus. That your citizenship is in heaven. That chapter 4, that you can do all things through him who strengthens you. That today, as we finish this book, you would know that in your head, You would rest with your heart in those truths. You would believe it. You would lean into it. You would live it with the help of other people in your life and by the grace of God in your life. That's my prayer for you as we close out this book. No matter what need you're facing this morning, that Jesus is good and that he can sustain you through your need. Let me pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for that truth. I thank you for the truth in chapter one that you began this work, that we didn't, that you're gonna complete it, even in the midst of great need. God, I know this morning that there's needs that I don't even know about that um, are just deep and heavy and weighing on people in this room, and so God, I pray that in this moment you would give them the supernatural ability by the power of your spirit to be content. God, if there's an abusive situation or a job that's just running them down, that they would know that contentment is not just hanging in there for that, that they would get out of that situation, they would seek help. But God, in the the daily needs and the relational needs and the financial needs and the emotional needs that we have, that we would look to you to be content, that we would find our joy not in accumulation but in contentment. God, we need to learn how to be that. We need to learn how to do that doesn't come naturally. And so I asked this morning, even now, that you move. Whatever we're thinking about, whatever we're distracted by, that we stop thinking about that. That we look to you and we ask. Give us that heart of contentment. Give us that peaceful disposition rooted in you. I don't have it right now. That we would ask, even now. And then we would ask for provision. We would ask for you to move in word and deed through other people to make provision for that need. Whatever the need is, God, you are um, all-powerful, all-knowing, and you can make provision. We ask that you do that, whether it's healing, whether it's affirmation, whether it's security, whether it's meeting you for the first time and having their ultimate need provided for through the cross of Christ. Yeah, we pray that in this moment. I pray that for these men and women as we respond to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.